Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, January 20th. Finally, it's here, the Australian Open underway, the first day of Grand Slam action in the 2020 season, officially in the books. Didn't get to complete all of the matches, rain washing away the second half of the night slate. It's very fortunate now here in 2020, they have a couple of indoor facilities at all of these slams, it feels like, so it wasn't a complete wash on the day, and there were still results to talk about, a couple of upsets in the books, a couple still brewing and to be completed tomorrow, and of course that we have a 96 match day two, going to be a really fun, chaotic Australian Open night of action. Joining me to break down that first day's action, recap uh, and pre- the what we saw in preview day two, you know him as our insider from Tennis Channel, uh, now host of the mini break gambling segment, Lock It In, that we are so happy to be bringing to you listeners in 2020. Kale Hammond, welcome back to the mini break podcast. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're the Kale Hammond Lock of the Day. Started off, started off hot, and then uh, you know, once the tournaments enter that stage where there's only you know two or three to choose from, that's when things get a little scary and the lines get a little bit more accurate. So whenever you're doing anything in tennis gambling, the beginning is where the, um, the meat is on the bone for sure. And without question, the Australian Open offering tons of chances to do just that. 64 men's singles matches, 64 men's women's singles singles action for the first round. Tons of tennis to bet on. This is where people like me who want to parlay, people they think are sure things, sell all of their money away just to Vegas. They can take it from me at this point. But it's got to be a fun time for you, right? It's it's awesome, and I'm actually writing um, the first ever, to my knowledge, tennis channel uh, gambling column. All, all week during the Australian Open. It's called Australian Open Best Bets. Go day one, day two, day three. We started off with some um, futures bets that were really tasty. Roger Federer was, uh, I believe, minus 106 to reach the semifinals. Daniel Medvedev was the same. Uh, he was pretty much even money to reach the semifinals, which feels like a lock based on his recent performance. And then Karolina Pliskova was plus 210 to reach the semifinals. Mm. And in her section of the draw... Uh, she has Kerber and Burtons in her section of the draw. Both Kerber and Burtons withdrew from their pre- their prior uh, events. So they're dealing with injuries. So her draw could really, really open up wide. And Pliskova, in her trending UTR right now, is tied at the top with Serena. And so that just, plus 210, so you bet a $10 bet and you win $21. My, my editor made a little funny note. He said it would be irresponsible not to wager on that. <laughs> so, so we started off with the futures, and then today we've got one. We've got the matches. Um, really like Jennifer Brady to take out Halep. Uh, she's got really, really tasty odds. I think she's around plus two thirty. So a ten dollar bet gets you like twenty three bucks. And her, she's been playing better than Halep recently. And then I'm trying to think what else we got, but uh, I think we can move on. But yeah, check it out on tennis.com. Uh, the first ever gambling series. I'm super, super pumped because. 
that's where the money is in tennis, you know, for better or for worse. That's where money's really changing hands more so than any part of it. So I'm excited to, you know, delve into that frontier. And of course, we at Cracked Rackets are excited to have you doing this daily podcast, especially at a time like this. You're right. T- betting on tennis is it, its own under, uh, under I guess, covered market and what what the gambling issues. I know tennis is the second most gambled on sport in the world. That's a conversation for another time. You mentioned those Roger Federer futures odds. I think you said minus like 125, minus 130 for him to get to the semifinals. After the early results we have from day one, that bet looks better and better, and that's where I want to start today's coverage. We'll do a couple of match breakdowns at the top, try and run through each of the results, not spend too long on all of them, really only break down the most fascinating, most intriguing results of the day, and then, of course, get you listeners set up for your night number two, day two coverage in Australia. Uh, But the place to start in Roger Federer's section of the draw, probably the upset of the day, and there were only four seeds who lost uh, through the early day one action, a couple of upsets brewing, as I mentioned, but the standout result of the morning, Denis Shapovalov, the number 13 seed, a guy who I on this own, uh, on our Crack Rackets preview podcast for the men's draw, you looked at the way he ended his 2019 season, how well he played at ATP Cup, pushing Djokovic to the brink, uh, getting whims himself over, you know, very uh, top players throughout the time. He was someone people had circled as a dark horse pick, someone who maybe could give Federer a test before the semifinals if he could get there. And yet, uh, you look at this first round matchup against Martin Fuchovic, uh, Fuchovic a 6-3-6-7-6-1-7-6 winner. Uh, I know you didn't get to see too much of this one, Kale, but does this result come as big of a shock to you as it does to me? Yeah, it's a total surprise based on how good he looked the last two weeks. You know, the guy that's toe-to-toe with Novak Djokovic comes out, tunes Vasek Pospisil, who's playing some great tennis. It just didn't make any sense because he was playing at what looked like a top 15, top 10 level even. Um, at the beginning of the season. And Fuchovic is a tough draw. He's extraordinarily fit. Um, so playing him in best three out of five is difficult, but it, 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 didn't make it, it didn't make any sense. And his body language and his attitude, it looked like the weight of the world was on his shoulders for some reason. He wasn't playing free. He wasn't playing as loose. You know, his shot selection has gotten better to start the season. That sort of went away a little bit. It was just, you know, it was just a, it was just a, a kid, a kid having a bad day. And that's what you get in tennis a lot. You know, this mono mono gladiator aspect of the sport, you got to bring the juice every single time or else someone's going to get you. And Fuchovic had a great day and Shapovalov didn't have the juice. And so he loses first round in a pretty shocking turn of events based on his form because, my God, he looked good coming into this tournament. I do want to talk about Fuchovic because you're you're absolutely right. He earned this win by every metric you look at from the statistics. And if you watch the match, uh, the first serves he was hitting, the confidence he had moving forward, he was taking it to Denis Shapovalov, forcing Shapovalov to press, which is so shocking because for Denis Shapovalov, you look at his five last five tournaments, he won in Stockholm his first ATP title of the year in October of 2019. First round loss to Karina Busta after that, but you can sort of write that off. He then, of course, made that final in Paris at ATP Cup. He beat Zverev 2-2. Two and two. He beat Tsitsipas 6-6. Six and six. An incredible three-set match with Dim- with Dimenauer and Djokovic that we all remember as well. Uh, last week in Auckland, he beats Pospisil and then loses to eventual champion Ugo Umbert in the quarterfinals. So, 
the only thing you have to wonder, yeah, form-wise, he looked so good, but maybe it was too much tennis to start his season. Maybe his mind wandered. He wasn't able to get in the preparation uh, that he wanted before this tournament because you look at the statistics for Shapovalov in this one. I mean, he goes 22 of 56 on his second serve. He's only winning 39% of those points. In terms of the winner unforced error count, 38 winners against 62 unforced errors. Now, some of that was the fact that he was down two sets to one, that Fuchovic was having uh, success on his own serve, winning 81% of his first serve points, 54% of his second serve points for Fuchovic. Most of his success came at the net, where he went 31 of 41. Um, I, I just... I don't know why Shapovalov felt the need to press, and that's why you talk about it. It did feel he was getting angry with the line judge. He was yelling at his box. He was slapping his racket. Dare I say, I I think the pressure got to him a little bit in this moment. And there is something to, you know, given the parity between the number 25 and the number 75 player right now on the ATP Tour, if number 75 has a good day, there's just sometimes nothing you can do. And for Martin Fuchovic, uh, the 27-year-old, 6'2", but last year reached his career high of number 31 in March. Uh, This is a guy who should be in the smack dab of his physical prime, and I just think that's what we saw today. You're right, Fuchovic simply too good yeah and that's something to look out for with all the atp cup people that played a ton of matches um there dan evans struggling with mackie mcdonald uh he played a lot of tennis you know atp cup and then he went and played adelaide uh he did pretty well there um it's something to look at in nishioka same thing going for uh, beating J- laszlo jerry's six in the fourth you feel like nishioka his form right now would he would take care of business a little easier than that same with dan evans so that's certainly something to look out for how all these uh, people who played the ATP Cup and then another warm-up event are going to do in the beginning rounds because it is it is a ton of tennis to start the season. So that's certainly something to keep your eye on. And you look at a guy in Fucevic, uh, excuse me, right now in the live rankings, number 63. It's not as though he didn't play to start his 2019. He went to the Qatar Open, only made the quarterfinals, but got five matches in there since he had to go through qualifying, beat guys like Tiafo in three sets, Yuri Vesely in three sets. Uh, Kasmanovic really gave him the business in the quarters, 2-0. and oh, But he was signed up for a challenger the next week uh, in Bedingo, and he pulled out. He, you know, in the first round, he was the number one seed. He said, "You know what? Five matches is enough to get me ready." And he looked the fresher of the two players. There's no denying that. Yeah, uh, and Djokovic too. Djokovic dropping a set to Struff. So, um, you know, so far we've seen all all these four guys who did really well at the ATP Cup. Um, you know, come out a little dead. Struff's a great player, but still, you know, if Novak Djokovic peak form after beating Nadal in straights. You've got to think he gets through Struff in straights and not lose that third set 6-2. But yeah, it, look, it, it appears to be a theme, you know. The ATP Cup sort of uh, uh, sort of wiping the players of some much-needed energy to start the Grand Slam. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you. And for Martin Fucevic, again, if he can replicate his serving performance, made 63% of his first serve, 65 of 80 on first serve points, 25 of 46 on the second serve, 
that'll get the job done, no matter who you're playing. And so for Denis Shapovalov, back to the drawing board, I think the slice return backhand side, he started, he, you could just tell he was in his own head again, started pressing really that, that 62 unforced error count. He tried to come to the net way too often. And a bunch of times, Fukovic, it was just these little slice floating passes that got the job done because Shapovalov was just out of position. But a really good result for him and a, and a result that I know busted my tourniquetopia. I'm pretty sure I had Shapovalov knocking off Federer. And so, hey, great shot to me. Uh, shows you how much I know, Kale. Yeah, that Federer bet's looking a little better after that loss for sure. Yeah, better and better. There's no way you could get that at uh, minus 125 now. I'm sure uh, those odds have gotten a little higher since then. But it's Shapovalov... minus 143 now from I think it was like minus 105 to begin with. So, yeah, it dropped a little bit. But it's still pretty tasty. You got Berrettini, Dimitrov... And that's Hercotch floating in there, and that's that's pretty much it, unless you think a guy like Opelka or Sinner is going to come out and uh, uh, you know dethrone Roger Federer. I mean, that is just you got look if you got, if you got a hundred bucks, might as well put fifty on that. It's not, it's it's a good bet. Yeah, I, was, that, I feel like that's uh, the sort of spice we'll save for later in the week because, and hopefully, you listeners are participating in our Crack Rackets Turnitopia competition. But I'm feeling good about Riley Opelka, despite the fact that his match with Fonini did not finish. Uh, But we'll save that for another time. There are other matches to break down, one in particular I want to go in-depth on, and that, of course, is Venus Coco Part 2. Coco Goff, the unseated American, taking on unseated Venus Williams. Kind of funny that they're both in that position of their year. Uh, This, of course, is a rematch of their U.S. Open encounter. And once again, Coco Goff taking the victory over Venus here, 7-6-6-3. Kale, you look at this match, and, you know, for Coco Goff, it it just continues to stand out. To be that young and to have that well-rounded of a game, even though there were times, particularly in that first set, when Venus's serve and just the power Venus can have overwhelmed her I mean she she just there's there's nothing on the court she does poorly she's just she's so refined for someone so young in her career and it's so impressive I mean the biggest thing I see is she's just so fast dude she's so fast when she runs around the court it's insane how well she moves I mean I was talking so this was I was going to make this bet I thought coming into it that Venus Williams was going to beat Coco because do you really expect a legend like that to lose to a 15-year-old in back-to-back opening rounds of Grand Slams where the pressure could not be higher? Um, and yeah, Coco showed that she's ready and not scared. And a, and a, and a, a guy very close to the women's game um, talked me out of it. And he said, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that one if I were you. Coco's really, really good. Coco, he's like, Coco, look, Coco's better than Venus. No ifs, ands, or buts right now. Venus is old. She's 39 years old. Coco's... Coco's better. There's just all, that's all I've got. And I was like, you know what? I thought about it. I was like, all right, maybe not worth it. Maybe I'll leave that one alone. And I'm glad I did because that would have been a tough one to swallow. Because in the first eight points of the match, you saw that Coco got up 2-0. That Venus was not bringing her A game. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, you look at the statistics for Coco Goff in this match. 
she just was so uh, so solid. I mean, only made 58% of her first serves, but she was firing them in an average speed of 110 miles per hour. That's above Venus, who was at 103 for the match. She won, you know, 77% of those first serve points, 33 of 43, 19 of 31 on the second serve, an efficient 7 of 11 at the net. Although, I, I, I think watching the match, she came forward more than 11 times. There were a lot of swinging volleys employed, and to me, uh, for the point Coco Goff is at, that is the equivalent of coming to the net. I agree. She was everywhere she needed to be. She forced Venus to hit extra shots. She was on top of the Venus Williams second serve, forcing Venus to only 10 of 25 on those points. Yeah, Coco Goff's a stud. And Is she the fastest you know, player? In the, on the, who's faster than her on the WTA Tour? Ooh, that's a good question. Svitolina's really quick. Yes. Lauren Davis. A handful. Just a handful. Yeah. Lauren Davis isn't faster than Coco Goff. The size is different. Coco's stride is t- three times hers. I don't buy that. But, but yeah, Lauren Davis is super quick. I'm just trying to think in terms of pure, like, point A to point B speed. Coco might be the fastest one. Yeah, I, I mean, Simona Halep is... I, 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 Simona Halep has the crown for me until someone takes it from her. Her defense, the the way yes. she turns defense to offense, that's the premise, you know, that what she premise of her game. But there's is. not many. There's not very many players you can say that move move better than Coco, and Coco's just 15, so that's pretty scary. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was gonna say. But that Coco is in that breadth of player, and it's not crazy. Like that speaks to how much talent she possesses, and for Coco Goff now, uh, another win for her at a Grand Slam. You look at where she's at in the live rankings without even playing uh, an entire schedule. Coco Goff finds herself not only inside uh, the ATP tops or ATP, excuse me, WTA top seventy-five. She right now is sitting at a new career high of number fifty-nine, and again, she's fifteen years old. So. Everything's, you know, all arrows are pointing up. Another great victory for her, and I, I want to ask off of this, uh, not that I would ever gamble on a 15-year-old because that's something about that just doesn't feel correct, but well, what I'm going to gamble on a 15-year-old in about 30 minutes, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, what do you feel about her odds on advancing? I think it's good, man. That's a tough, that's a, that's a nerve-wracking match you got to get through um, against Venus. And then this is this is not her first Grand Slam. Now she's had legitimate experience um dating back almost a full year or half a year she knows she's played in them before I, I just like it you know I like she's tough to beat she moves so well she hits the ball super clean she doesn't beat herself you got to go out there and take it from her and like I said the the, the nervousness factor of, of people playing a 15 year old I don't care who you are and I don't care how good the 15 year old is you don't want to lose to a 15 year old it's just that's no ifs, ands, or buts. If, if you're if you're 25 years old and you're playing a 15 year old, there's there's some pride that goes along with that. No matter how good they are, that affects your performance. And I don't think Coco's affected by that, and I think her opponent is too. So I think that gives her a nice level advantage. And I think I like her. I like her a lot to advance over Cirstea. I really do. Yeah, Kirstea knocking off the number 32 seed Striskova, uh, so Goff avoids playing a seed for another round. Yeah, I, I think I saw Katie McNally gave this quote after her win yesterday, and I think the same thing can apply to Coco Goff. Even being in Australia on the senior Coco Golf one, one of the three stadium court matches to actually get to play last night, or, or just you know one was on one of the three courts that continued to play. That she was placed on such a prominent court speaks to uh, her reputation, speaks to the fans she has accumulated thus far so early in her career. And as Katie McNally said, she's played on Arthur Ashe. 
She's played at Wimbledon. She's played the biggest stages, so she has no reason to fear being in any of these second— you know, it's a second-round match against an unseeded player. For her, that's nothing. You know, she's faced Serena. She's faced Osaka. She's faced—well, maybe not Serena, but she's faced Venus. She's faced Osaka. She's been uh, at these big stages before, and her tennis is obviously ready to shine as it has so thoroughly thus far. So I agree with you. I think Coco Goff going to be a really fun player to watch as we continue through uh, not only this Australian— Australian Open, but this next decade of tennis. Now, focusing on the here and now, of course, there were a couple of other upsets I want to talk about from yesterday's draw. Uh, you look at the three seeded upsets we haven't talked about thus far. Uh, we talked about Shapovalov earlier, but none of these really felt like upsets to me, Kale. And I'm curious your thought. We'll start with uh, the men's one. Sam Query knocking off the number 25 seed, Borna Chorch, in straight sets, 6'3, 6'4, 6'4. It's notable that Chorch no longer rocking the Nike gear. He is now an A6 man, um, and that may speak to the sort of turnover that's gone on in his career over the past year. Uh, But George just, he didn't look fit. He didn't look the part, and ETP Cup a couple of weeks ago, he got that opening season win over Dominic team in three sets. After that, two two and two losses to both Schwartzman and Hercatch. You you, You thought maybe you could write those off. Maybe he'll steady the course here. And yet nothing in the match indicated to me that it was anything other than big serves, big forehands from Sam Query. I just think Chorch right now, there's no confidence in he, any of the things he's doing You've got to wonder if he hurt himself because these results just don't make sense. Yeah. He, played, he played unbelievable against team. I watched the whole match. He was taking it to him every midcourt ball, both backhand and forehand. He's ripping it to the corner, going for winners, you know, finishing at the net. Serving well, just doing everything great, moving super well, and then he comes out in the next two matches, like you said, loses two and two, two and two, and then now he loses three, four and four. So, so I just I think something's not right. I, I don't know if he tweaks something or I, I just don't know because the Born and Torch I've watched play is is too competitive to just get throttled three times in a row if and everything is going well. It was the way he tanked the end of that third set as well. It was just, I, and this is speculation, Jones. Let's be clear, but I, he looked a little big. Like, I'm not saying he looked, you know, fat. I'm saying he just looked like he had been lifting too much. Like at a certain point, you know, lean over being lean over being bulk is important in tennis. And there's a reason you don't see people built like Rafa, like Berrettini. Those are the outliers. People more along the lines of the Fetters and the Djokovic's and that. Yeah, I mean, they're cut to a crisp, but uh, it's not as though they're putting on, you know, bodybuilding types of muscles on their upper body. And I just think for George, you're right. It just, everything looked a little off because physically, this is a guy who's going to try and grind you down. This is a guy who, when he was uh, up and coming out of the junior ranks, it was a baby Novak Djokovic in the way he'd take the backhand down the line, slide from six feet behind the court on a hard court uh, behind the baseline. And that's just not the George we've seen over the past four or five months. And injuries have been a big part of his story recently. So I agree with you. Uh, That being said, great result for Sam Query, who in the press conference after, he's like, would you rather participate in the Olympics or win a 250 this year? He said, well, I just want to stay relevant. And so, I mean, I think that's tennis in a nutshell. So shout out to Sam. Good win for him. Sam Query in a nutshell, just just the chillest of the chill. Just super Cali chill all the time. He's an interesting guy. 
I was going to say, you can take the kid out of California, but you can't take the California out of the kid. And that's Sam Query in a nutshell. Uh, two upsets on the women's side. Uh, we mentioned that Kirstea over Striskova results 6-2-7-6 for Kirstea. But a result that by seed is an upset, although I have to argue by their results recently, is not. Uh, Shui Zhang knocking off the number 24 seed, Sloan Stevens, 2-6-7-5-6-2. If that score sounds familiar to you, it's because uh, Zhang did the exact same thing to Stevens in the Australian Open first round in 2018. That time it was 2-6-7-6-6-2. Shout out to Jose Morgado for that statistic from Twitter. Uh, the difference in this one, Sloan served for the match. Uh, she was two points away. I think it was 30-15, maybe 30 all in that 5-4 second uh, set service game for Sloan. And then things just kind of fell apart. And uh, again, I, uh, there's a testament to Shui Zhang who her firepower when you watch her play. It, it's just so obvious. There's not a single ball she gets that she can't just turn on and rip a winner in this match. 41 winners for her against only 29 unforced errors. But for Sloan, it just felt so safe. It, when she was serving out the match, she played not to lose. She didn't play to win. It was a lot of just get the backhand back cross court. Don't look for the backhand down the line. Uh, don't try and hit my inside out forehand. And it's concerning for Sloan. 2020 now, she's 0-3. And, and that's a worst case scenario for someone who ended uh, 2019. It's a worst case scenario for someone who's the best athlete on the WTA Tour uh, minus Serena. That's what it is. It's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. It's just a, you don't really know what to say. You know, confidence is huge in tennis. Clearly she doesn't have that right now. I don't know why, but when you ball striking, athletically, strength, speed, it doesn't make any sense because she's better than everyone else in those regards. And so it's just mental right now. I just think she needs to rededicate herself. And, and you know, who knows? She's chilling. You know, she's, she's not going to make as much money as she did a couple years ago, but she's made plenty of money. Maybe she's good. You know, maybe she's chilling. Maybe she's fine. Maybe, you know, she got that grand slam. You know, it's all good. Maybe that's all she wanted. So I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's not looking good uh, for the foreseeable future for her. I just can't believe that Sloan Stevens at age 26 is done. I just don't believe that. No, I, I don't so believe many either, but she's done for right now until she gets it back on track. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true. And you look for Sloan Stevens right now where she's at in the live rankings. Uh, you know, she's definitely not where she wants to be to start off this year. She's going to sit at number 30 right now after this Australian Open. Uh, but this is, again, after one day of play. So there are a bunch of people below her who could jump her. And you just have to start worrying. You start floating now out of that top 50 range. You have to start playing qualies for the premier mandatory events and the things you want to get into. Uh, that's not a fun lifestyle. So, if, you know, for Sloane Stevens, uh, given how many talented young pe- players there are, they're, you know, they're all hungry. They're all waiting. So I, I still think Sloane Stevens is hungry. And if anything, this 0-3 start to her hard court season, uh, something, you know, she's got two weeks here now to flip the script, to write things before we head into the sunshine. She, ha- she hasn't made a quarterfinal since the French Open. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's tough for a player of her caliber and her athletic prowess it's not it's not right and something and you know and she's had a lot, a lot of stuff going on off the court um but yeah who knows i don't really know we should move on i think we're spending too much time talking about someone who clearly doesn't have the competitive desire to um to you know to win right now it doesn't look like she's got the juice yeah, and hopefully she's able to flip that script. Uh, you look at the rest of the results again. Uh, outside of those four seeds, Shapovalov, Chorch, Stevens, and Striskova losing, 
pretty routine day from the results we got out of it. Now, again, there was rain that washed out a couple of matches that are on the precipice of becoming upsets, but you look on the women's seed, you start Ashley Barty, the only seed who really faced much trouble on the day. She loses that first set to Serenko uh, 7-5 before knocking out 6-1 second and third sets. Comfortable win for Barty, comfortable win for Osaka, Kvitova, Serena as well, the top 10 seeds finishing those matches in straight sets. Osaka over Buzkova, 2-4. Kvitova over Sinyakova, 1-0. Serena looking great in her first set, 6-0, bageling of Potapova before taking a 6-3 second as well. Uh, you extend out the seeds further. Petra Martic, 3-0 over Mikhail. Sofia Kennan, 2-4 over Trevisan. Alexandrova, a winner in the weeks uh, in building up to this Australian Open, 6-4-6-2 over Teachman. Pretty good day from the seeds on the women's sides. I thought they all performed uh, fairly well. All give us confidence heading that they should all be seen in week two. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, looking forward, I mean, what do you got for today? Are we ready to start talking some gambling? Ooh, let me let me run through the rest of them, and then we'll get to our gambling results. You look at the unseeded results. Yes, we can. No, because I do want to talk about the seeds. I think someone who's unseeded, who if there is a future bet, get her to the fourth round. The player I would circle is Julia Gurgis, who looked great today in her six one six two win over Kuzmova. Gurgis lost an early match to Benchich six and six in her warm up for the Australian Open, but looked awfully good in that loss. So just a flyer on her. You look at the rest of the storylines. Caroline Wozniacki on her final Australian. Australian Open. She starts off the campaign with a 6-1-6-3 over Christiane. Katie McNally, uh, the young American, continuing her form from the end of last season. She knocks out Stozer, 1-4. Young American Ann Lee, 6-6 six six over Cabrera. Krejcikova over Kanepi, 7-6-2-6-6-3. Zhang over Kalinskaya, 3-2. Zidanzik over Han, 3-3. Three three. Zhu over Golobic, 4-6-6-1-7-6. Uh, six, six, six. And Bedosa over Larson, 6-1-6-0. Six, six, oh. Any of those results, Kale, throw you for a win? Anything stand out to you in particular? Yeah, McNally beating Stozer so handily you know, at her home slam. Um, that's impressive to me. You know, Stozer's definitely towards the very, very end of her career. But still, uh, McNally's going to be, yeah, she's a force to be reckoned with for sure. I, I'm, I'm very impressed by her all-court game and her mentality, her mentality and her mental toughness. And if you fans like Kale are impressed by Katie McNally, you should go check out the Cracked Interviews podcast we did with her. Now, I think it was just like two, three weeks ago as she was preparing for the 2020 season to kick off because I agree with you and I think I speak for a lot of us when I say Katie McNally is a young talent that we will all certainly get to know well over these next 10 years of tennis. Yeah, again, I think we're going to learn a lot more about these seeds as they start to be tested further and further. That Barty uh, went three sets with Serenko this early in the tournament. It's does not bode well given how tough her top half of the draw is. But, I mean, she was someone who lost first week in the first uh, tournament of the year and then won the next week. So Ashley Barty definitely knows how to flip the script. Uh, To look at the men's results on the week or on the day, again, top seeds, pretty routine for them. Djokovic, four sets over Struve, Federer, straight sets over Stevie Johnson, Tsitsipas in straights over Caruso. Berrettini looks great to kick off his 2020 season, 6-3, 6-1, 6-3 over Lloyd Harris. Dimitrov rocking 
the most ridiculous outfit I've ever seen, and I want to give a shout-out to Matt Zemek. That outfit belongs in the Louvre, not on a tennis court. He gets a four-set <laughs> win, though, over Lundero, 4-6-6-2-6-0-6-4. Paya in straight sets over Tennessee's J.P. Smith. And then maybe one the highlight early match of the day, Dan Evans, the number 30 seed, 3-6-4-6-6-1-6-2-6-3 in five sets over Mackie McDonald, who makes his comeback to the tour in that match. Any of those results for the seeds stick out to you today, Cal? Yeah, Mackey almost taking out Dan Evans in his first tournament back is awesome. Mackey, when he looks good, I I know Roger Federer has the most beautiful forehand, but Mackey's number two in my mind. It's just, it's the most aesthetically pleasing thing I've ever seen. His ability, first of all, he's fast as lightning, Mm -hmm. but second of all, his his ability to just pull trigger from anywhere on the court and hit an, an impossible winner from anywhere on the court is awesome. You know he's he's got he's got some legit talent that you don't see that often. So hopefully get that hammy right. Uh, his, he's too fast for his own good sometimes. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that was impressive. And also that means Dan Evans is Dan Evans going to be tired because he's coming up against Yoshihito Nishioka. And if they play, they're gonna, they're going to play during the day outside. It's going to be hot as hell. Nishioka is going to grind him into the dirt. He's got to be tired. Dan Evans has played a ton of tennis from ATP Cup to Adelaide into that grueling five-setter that he come back. I, and he's got a good game that matches up against Nishioka. Take the ball early, use the slice. But Nishioka's looked really, really good, and you can get him uh, plus 140. So Dan Evans is favored in that match, and I'm a, I'm a big believer that Nishioka's going to take that one. I like this. You're itching towards the odds. I promise, Kale, we're getting closer and closer. Yeah, you got to give the people what they want, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, and I, I do want to say for Djokovic that he lost a set to Jan Leonard Struff should not set off any warning signals for anyone. I think Novak Djokovic on a hard court, how he looked on ATP Cup, assuming his shoulder and elbow are healthy, he's the favorite entering this week. Struff dog, just, you know, indoors, his serve, that explains it all. Uh, but otherwise, comfortable performances from all of the seeds. The other four results there, uh, Nishioka, as you mentioned, a four-set winner over Laszlo Jir. Philip Kohlschreiber knocks off Marcos Giron, 756162. Uh, Gregoire Barrer, who I believe I have going to the third or fourth round. There's always one unknown. Yeah, I think he's this not is bad. The guy who's he's not bad. No, not at all. I mean, they're all excellent, obviously. But he's a, a dark horse pick. Four sets over Safwat. Ricardis Barrancas, straight sets over Carbea Spania. That's all the action we got through yesterday. Now, there were still some matches on court. Just to run through those results real quickly for you, Kale, just to, you know, keep you on edge. Riley Opelka on the precipice of an upset over Fabio Fognini for the second straight slam. He leads Fabio 6-3-7-6-1-0 on serve there in third. It was funny because Opelka was up 5-1 in the second set breaker. Then the rain started. Then they got back on court, and I think he lost the next three points. Ultimately ended up taking care of that breaker. And I mean, the disgust, like just the... The, the hate on Fabio Fonini's face that he has to match up against Opelka again is palpable. I mean, just watch the match. Watch that third set, and you can see it. Sinner leads Purcell two sets to love. Risk over Wang, 7-6 in the first. Garen, two sets to love up on Trevagila. RBA, 6-2-1-2 against uh, Feliciano Lopez. Sandgren, 1-0 on Trungaliti. Kyle Edmund, 5-2 in the first over number 24 seed Dusan the Deuce Lajovic. Milos Raonic, one service game from closing out Giustino. Uh, uh, he's up two sets to love and 5-2 in the third. And then finally, Quinton Halis and Filip Krajinovic, who are all squared in the first set, 7-6-3 all. All of those matches 
plus the ones that weren't played yesterday added on top of our day two slate. That gives us 96 scheduled matches for day two. God help whoever has tomorrow's mini break podcast because it's likely to go over the two hour mark. That being said, Kale, it's time to preview day two. So I want to do this a couple of ways. I want you first, and, and then I'll give my response. Give me the three matches tomorrow that if you're a fan, you can only pick three of the 96. What are the three you're not going to miss? Oh my goodness, goodness, goodness! Looking through, looking through. What do we got? There's oh a lot of good goodness. ones. I mean, you could literally just stay on Stadium Court and be like, "All right, I'm going to watch Medvedev, Tiafo. I'm going to watch Vekic, Sharapova. I'm going to watch Mladenovic, Pliskova, and I'm going to call it a night." Well, I'm obviously going to watch the homie Tommy Paul. <laughs> so we're watching Tommy Paul for sure. Um, we're definitely going to watch Medvedev, Tiafo. We're going to watch Tiafo's uh, ranking drop in real time. <laughs> And then let's see, yeah, that, Halle that. Brady just for gambling purposes. Well, Halle Brady, yeah, I got to watch that one because I told people that that I didn't tell people that Brady was going to win. I said there's tremendous value in her being, you know, plus two twenty. I'm saying that's past Halep. That's one of those guaranteed. Like I'll have three tabs up at once, and am I going to be squared in on that tab at all times? No, but it will be always on the page and visible. Yeah, so those are my three. Halep Brady for sure. Um, you got to watch TFO Medvedev. Maybe he can sneak a set. You know, the talent will shine through. Save his ranking for just a second, and then I'm de- I'm going to be watching Ivashka versus Anderson for reasons that we'll get to soon. But yeah, obviously Tommy Paul. I'll check out Curios for sure. See if he's got any antics for the crowd. I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong. Just dude, you know what happened? This pissed me off. ESPN, watch ESPN, used to be able, you used to be able to combine all, like, in a mosaic. You used to be able to drag and drop. You could do four. You could go four wide. Yes. What the? Why can't you do that anymore? I don't (laughs) understand why they did. It was such a good feature, and they just took it away. Was it too hard? Was it causing too many problems? I really need an answer. So I used to go... I used to go eight wide. I used to go one, two, three, four on the left side of the screen, one, two, three, four on the right side of the screen. Those, yeah, that's, that's why my brain is now mush. You can't um, do it. But, I just don't understand why they took it away. It's such a great feature. Who, 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 who wanted that to go away? Yeah, maybe it's so that each of the play-by-play commentators are like, no, when you go four wide, you don't get to hear me. You know, Mike Cation's making his ESPN. You know, he's on ESPN. He wants to be heard. He's like, don't put me in a top left corner of a top left corner. Give me my own screen. But you could select which one you want the audio, so that argument That's is thrown out the door immediately. Also true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's a good question, and you're going to need that function tomorrow because, as I mentioned, we haven't even gotten to the matches on, like, court 10. Like, I would watch Michael Mo, Paulo Andohar. I'll watch Kesmetovic, Andreas Seppi. I'll watch, uh, you know, all of these matches as you go down further and further and further. Basilishvili, the number tw- 26 seed against Sun Wu Kwan. I think that's a low-key upset alert. Taylor Townsend against Jessica Pigula. Sign me up for three sets of that. Like, Yeah, that's I'm, going I'm, over for sure. I'm glad you said that. That's going to be a close match. I agree with yeah. you. I am all in on all of these matches, but when there are this many matches, it helps to have a little financial incentive to organize it all out. So, final thoughts, Kale. Final segment of today's podcast. Uh, you never responded, by the way, to my Grigor Dimitrov. I have a little note here that I wanted to get to it. What did you think of Dimitrov's outfit? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great. <laughs> no, I thought it was fantastic. Look, the guy's the guy's very attractive. The guy pulls models left and right. Look... He's a baller. He's 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 king right now. So you just got to give it to him. You just got to just whatever he does, it doesn't matter. He's not it's not like he's hurting himself in any way shape or form, you know. 
The guy's the guy's on top of the world right now, um, and he's playing some decent tennis too. I wish he would hit over the backhand a little bit more, but um, I would tell you what: when he lost that set against Juan Ignacio Londero, that was absolutely free money on the live betting. Um, so I'm thankful for him as well because Juan, Juan Ignacio Londero is just a walking forehand, and Dimitrov <laughs> has way too much variety to lose to a guy with only one shot. And he's too quick, so he's going to get to all the inside-out forehand, inside-in rips. He's just so fast, he's going to get there. That was that was free money, so I'm thankful that he lost that set. All I could think when he walked out is, do you know how good-looking you have to be to pull something like that off? I was like, bravo, Grigor. Like, if you if you got it, flaunt it. And, he's uh, flexing on us, and, 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 you know, there's nothing you can do in that situation. Um, you know, you can, either, you can either acknowledge it or you can hate on him. And, you know, hating doesn't really do anyone any good. Uh, no need to put that type of energy out in the world. Um, yeah, there's enough I'll people hating on everyone already. It's just a t- it's just n- sickening, you know. If our but, friends at Diadem, obviously more known for their rackets than their gear, but they want to send me a jumpsuit like that, I'm happy to wear it on our next live video. Like no problem. I've got no shame in rocking that. I think I could pull it off. Yeah, I think you. I absolutely could, especially if it's like the nylon neoprene like '90s style. <laughs> I think you would you would look really good in that. Are you kidding? With my eyebrows, they'd be like, "Is that Pete Sampras?" Exactly. I think it, I think exactly. It is. Get the tight uh-huh. waistband, so you got the little parachute mm. coming on in the over the butt mm. and the in the midsection. Get it super tight. I think in, it's. I think it's going to be good. Loose fitting, loose fitting. Shout out Ball to Match. I miss that company. They used to make some of the swaggiest jumpsuits you've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, you know, usually it takes a little bit of money to buy a nice jumpsuit like that. So hopefully your bets will give our listeners money. What do you got for me, Kale? What's your bet of the day? Oh, they are today. I'm pretty, I'm very confident in this one today. All right, lay it on me. All right. The Kale Hammond lock of the day today. Um, there's two. They go hand in hand. They're both Kevin Anderson over Ilya Ivashka. So I watched Ivashka's match against Dennis Kudla that he won um, in three tight sets. At the end, Kudla did not play his best tennis to close that match out, and Kudla was right there with plenty of chances. Um, I don't live in a world where Ivashka gets to 7-6-7-6-6-4, which is what this over-under 36 line and spread of minus 6 does for Kevin Anderson over Ivashka. I don't live in a world where Ivashka gets to two tie-break sets against Kevin Anderson. I just don't see it. Kevin Anderson is too good. You're not going to break him. And he's rock solid from the ground. He's going to get his teeth into a ton of service games. Ivashka does not serve that big. So he's in Anderson's six foot eight with great range. I mean, all you need here is a 6-3 set. And then you need one, you need a 6-3 set and then a 6-4 set. And then 7-6 takes care of business. There's no way he's going to win a set. And there's no way he's going to get to two tiebreak sets against Anderson. Anderson's playing too well. Unless... I haven't heard anything, but unless Kevin Anderson hurt himself in the ATP Cup, this is the bet of the day. And it just the line doesn't make sense to me. The lines are so good at picking lines, but whenever you see something that doesn't make sense, that's when you got to take a further look. And in this line, based on the pre, the past results, is sort of disrespectful for Kevin Anderson. Uh, there's no reason he shouldn't be like a minus you know four thousand favorite over Ivaska. I just I don't live in a world where Ivashka beats Kevin Anderson. Um, so under 36 and Kevin Anderson to win by six games is just a rock-solid bet with juicy odds. And I think you're going to have fun watching that because Kevin Anderson's going to have his way with him. I like that, but i got to throw one in at you, Kale. And I sort of previewed this in the text. You know I like a good tease. I'm not going to bet on uh, 
or a good parlay. Excuse me, can't tease in tennis. You like lighting your money on fire. I like lighting my money on fire, obviously. That's why I try not to bet on tennis. Um, (laughs) But it's Australian Open time, so in that spirit, I'm just going to name players. You tell me who you think is going to win the matchup, okay? Cool. All right, Hubie Hercatch, Dennis Novak. Hercatch, but it's tight. Novak Novak can play good tennis, but Hercatch is playing too well. I agree. I'm going to take her catch. I feel fairly confident about that one. Uh, Karen Hachana versus Mario Villa-Martinez. Hachanov, but he's not playing very well. So if he comes up against a tough opponent, pick him to lose. But he's going to get through this one. Dominic team, Adrian Manorino. Team. I agreed. Team 7-0 lifetime against Manorino, by the way. Nadal or Delian? Next question. Yeah. Verdasco or Donskoy? Verdasco. He plays Agreed. great in Australia. And, and the reason I'd lock that in even more so, you look at Evgeny Donskoy's results thus far, comes through challenging, uh, uh, comes through challenging, comes through qualies, uh, two three-cent matches in the qualies, has played a challenger this year, lost in three sets uh, to Cole Schreiber in the semifinals of Canberra. Uh, but it's a lot of tennis on his body thus far, I just think, uh, for Fernando Verdasco, who's looked good as well. That's a good pick. All right, Monfils or Yinsun Liu? Yeah, you got to go with Monfils. All right, Kasper Rude or Igor Gersimov? Rude, he's looking pretty good. Yastremska or Yuvan? Yastremska's hot right now. You got to go Yastremska. Sakari or Gasparian? Sakari, and she's a great bet too. Um, her to win by four games is another um, lock of the day. She was crushing Donna Vekic in her last tournament, and she was up, and she was about to get a set point. I was talking to her coach, Tom Hill, and she was out of overrules, and the, the chair umpire, or out of challenges, the chair umpire, you know, overrules a shot that was, they thought, clearly wide to, that would have given her a match point. So instead of a match point, she's down break point and had a little bit of a meltdown um, against her playing her good friend. They're great, great, great friends. Donna Vekic and Maria Sakari, if you don't know, they're the best of friends. That's like so, the Clayton Kershaw, Matt Stafford thing. We all know it at this point. So, so it was exactly, and so... Um, yeah, and so that, she was crushing. She's playing great tennis, and that was just a sort of a weird loss, and I think she'll bounce back from that, and I think she'll win the 6-3 set. The 6-3, 7-5, that, that, that gets you paid. That's minus five, and we just need minus four. So Sakari is a fantastic bet. Are these all in your parlay? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, Benchich over Shlodova, yes or no? Got to go Benchich. Svitolina or Katie Buter? Buter? Katie Bolter, I yeah, I'm a big fan of Katie Bolter. <laughs> we're gonna go. Uh, have you seen Katie Bolter before? I'm not touching this one. Move on. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay. Well, I'll say it. She is. You're just. Yeah, we're gonna get in trouble. Yes, I know who Katie Bolter is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she's back. Um, she's playing. For, she has been hurt for a while, so I'm happy to see her back. Uh, yeah, I don't think she's gonna win, Svitolina. Uh, I, I agree. So, and you answered all 11 of those pretty easy. So, you parlay those 11. Hercatch, Hatchinov, Team, Nadal, Verdasco, Monfils, Rude, Yastremska, Sakari, Benchich, Svitolina. 11 picks. Gives you incentive to watch tennis all night long. You place a measly wager of $100 on it, or 10 whatever you want to do. 5.7, essentially 6 to 1 odds. You're winning 600 bucks back. Uh, you don't like that parlay? No, I like that parlay. I really do, um, but like my God, like it's just it's just the variance is just through the roof. There's so many different things that can happen. I know it's um, like roulette. You only need one thing to go wrong, right? And so, but but they all seem pretty safe. 
but I think I think that I think that has a good chance of hitting. I don't know who the upset would be in that situation. Yeah. Well, that's my Alex Gruskin lock of day. The only one maybe Rude Rude loses to Jersimov. Maybe Verdasco. Yeah, and he could he could lay an egg. Maybe who knows? Yeah. Or Dennis Novak brings his A game, just takes it to Hubie. Um, yeah, yeah, and Hubie's I, played I, a lot of tennis recently. He could be pretty tired. Exactly. So it's an interesting story. It's it's just a little fun. Throw I thought one thought i'd throw one at you to wrap things up but uh with that in mind obviously there's a ton of cover a ton of australian open to watch a ton to be had and we'll be covering it all all throughout these next two weeks at our website crackedrackets.com daily on our mini break podcast gsp for the mid uh tournament breaks and recaps of where we're at all of those fun things hopefully we'll get a couple kale bet of the days locks of the days as well and we got one in this one we got we got one in this one we got the Uh, kevin anderson yeah, to say the least. And if not that, Kale, what, uh, what else are you going to be up to? Where can our listeners find your stuff? Uh, tennis.com. I'm doing their, as far as to my knowledge, the first ever tennis channel written gambling content. And I'm super thrilled about it. I'm very, very excited and honored. And a lot, a lot of work went into getting the opportunity to do this. I was pushing for it for years and years. So I'm super pumped. So just check that out. And, you know, and tell you what, betting on the tennis, tennis is the most fun sport to bet on. The mono e mono aspect is the way to go. And I'm telling you, there's some, I think there's a good future in, in uh, tennis betting and tennis gambling content in general because it is a great way to analyze the matches. It's pretty simple. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? And what the odds makers think the score is going to be. And it's super <laughs> duper fun. Yeah, I agree with you. It is a really fun aspect of the sport. And, of course, uh, whenever you produce those locks of the day, we appreciate them and we appreciate the work of our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westhoff. It's tough going lock of the day because, you know, some days there's not any locks. And that's the, that's true. That's, you know, that's the thing. So that's where I got caught up last week. It was I was betting on the semifinals trying to give you, you know, lock of the day. I went with my friends. Hopefully God would, you know, I'm betting on my friends. Hopefully God would help me out and get my friends to do a W so they would win. And then, sadly, both of my friends, Dennis Kudla and Tommy Paul, lost. So we're not going to try that strategy again. But we are 3-3 three and three with the locks of the day. Um, we're overall 3-3. Three and three. We're at 500. So we're going to be 4-3, 5-3 uh, after these two Anderson bets hit. And, yeah, we're going to keep it rolling. And you're going to have all of that cash in your pocket after that 11-man parlay hit. Uh, and, of course, again, for all of this content, got to give a shout-out to the super producers, Max Fleekner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they have to do. But as I mentioned, we'll be back all week long with these mini-break podcasts, uh, keeping you guys up to date on all things Australian Open and all things otherwise, all things elsewhere going on in the tennis world. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, Kale Hammond, our super producers, Max Fleekner and Daniel Westoff, and our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Kale, what do we tell the listeners? That's a break, my friend, and good luck on that 11-man parlay. Uh, Thank you. I'm sure you'll be getting constant updates from me, but we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.